Okay, uh, we're going to be getting into Genesis chapter 43 here today. But before I go ahead and read that chapter, uh, I want to begin uh, by praying for the message and also just to give us a quick review of what we've gone through so far. So if you want to open up your Bibles to Genesis chapter 43, we'll read it in just a little bit. But let's pray and ask our Lord to bless the reading of his word here this morning, okay? Father, in the name of Jesus, again, we thank you for every individual that's out here, Lord God, and the sacrifice that they're making, the love that they're showing to you, God, and to your church. Father, in sacrificing themselves and coming out here. But it's actually a very beautiful day. It's actually a beautiful thing to be out here with everyone, Lord. Bless it now. Bless the reading of your word. Anoint it. Give it life. I pray for myself that you will help me also, Lord God, to communicate your word effectively. Organize my thoughts and my words. Speak to your people through me, Lord, here today. In Jesus' name we pray and all God's people said, amen. Very good. Okay. So before I read Genesis chapter 43, let's recap a little bit. We've been looking at the life of Joseph and his family. I don't know about you, but this is like a novella to me, okay? A little soap opera that's going on here. But it's a good one because this is in the Bible and it's good for us to learn. So the account of his life began in Genesis chapter 37 when Joseph was 17, just a teenager. And we looked at Genesis chapter 39. We looked at Genesis chapter 40. We looked at Genesis chapter 41. And last week we looked at Genesis chapter 42. We learned that Joseph's dream of his 10 brothers bowing down to him was fulfilled last week. We learned that even after 20 years, Joseph's brothers were still being haunted and tormented about their secret sin against their brother Joseph. In Genesis chapter 42, verses 21 and 23, it tells us how they were tormented. Even after 20 years of uh, after their sin, they were still being tormented. And I understand, unfortunately, that on our online services, we do not have any of the words of the scriptures. Uh, and we apologize to you for that again, because we're outside. We're having some technical difficulties, adjusting to all the different things that we need to deal with. So just go ahead and listen to the word here this morning. If you're really quick in your Bibles, you can go ahead and read the scriptures with me in your Bibles, okay? But in Genesis chapter 42, verses 21 through 23, it says this, and, and they said to one another, yes, now we are suffering the consequences of what we did to our brother. We saw the great trouble he was in when he begged for help, but we would not listen. That is why we are in this trouble now. Reuben said, I told you not to harm the boy, but you wouldn't listen. And now we are being paid back for his death. Joseph understood what they said, but they did not know it because they had been speaking to him through an interpreter. Okay? So even after 20 years, these guys, the brothers, were still being tormented over their sin. And while they were in prison, they began to reflect on the cruelty and the brutality of their behavior, as we said last week, the actions toward their own brother. They remembered the cries of Joseph in that pit crying out to them and how and now those cries were haunting them. They remembered the cries of their brother begging them to let him out and now those cries were tormenting them. The guilt of selling him and the possibility of him being dead was torturing them. Again, as I said last week, they didn't need to be whipped. They didn't need to be physically tortured or tormented. Their own sin was haunting them. Here's the thing, even though 20 years have passed, the effects and heavy guilt and knowledge of their sin is still fresh. Why? Because it is unconfessed sin. Why? Because it is secret. We're trying to hide it. As long as sin is unconfessed or secret or held onto, it will always remain fresh no matter how much time passes. Yes, even for eternity in hell, unconfessed sin, secret sin, and its torment will be fresh for all eternity. Secondly, 
Joseph wanted to make sure that his youngest brother, Benjamin, was still alive. So he put his brother Simeon in prison, probably the same prison that he himself was in for so many years up to that, up to that, before he became the ruler in Egypt. And so Joseph sent his brothers away with plenty of food and told them not to come back unless they brought their brother, their brother Benjamin with them. Thirdly, Joseph secretly returns the brothers money and puts it in the food containers that they were carrying back home as a gift. So now with that, let's read Genesis chapter 43, so that we can continue with our little melodrama here in the life of Joseph. Genesis chapter 43, okay? It says this in Genesis chapter 43, starting at verse number one. Now the famine was severe in the land. So when they had eaten all the grain they had brought from Egypt, their father said to them, go back and buy us a little more food. But Judah said to him, the man warned us solemnly, you will not see my face again unless your brother is with you. If you will send our brother along with us, we will go down and buy food for you. But if you will not send him, we will not go down because the man said to us, you will not see my face again unless your brother is with you. Israel asked, why did you bring this trouble on me by telling the man you had another brother? They replied, the man questioned us closely about ourselves and our family. Is your father? Is your father still living? He asked us. Do you have another brother? We simply answered his questions. How were we to know? He would say, bring your brother down here. Then Judah said to Israel, his father, send the boy along with me and we will go at once so that we and you and our children may live and not die. I myself will guarantee his safety. You can hold me personally responsible for him. If I do not bring him back to you and set him here before you, I will bear the blame before you all my life. As it is, if we had not delayed, we could have gone and returned twice. Then their father Israel said to them, If it must be, then do this. Put some of the best products of the land in your bags and take them down to the man as a gift. A little balm and a little honey, some spices and myrrh, some pistachio nuts and almonds. Take double the amount of silver with you, for you must return the silver that was put back into the mouths of your sacks. Perhaps it was a mistake. Take your brother also and go back to the man at once. And may God Almighty grant you mercy before the man so that he will not let your brother and Benjamin come back so that he will let your brother and Benjamin come back with you. As for me, I am bereaved. I am bereaved. So the men took the gifts and doubled the amount of silver, and Benjamin also. They hurried down to Egypt and presented themselves to Joseph. When Joseph saw Benjamin with them, he said to the steward of his house, Take these men to my house, slaughter an animal, and prepare dinner. They are to eat with me at noon. The man did as Joseph told him and took the men to Joseph's house. Now the men were frightened. When they were taken to his house, they thought we were brought here because of the silver that was put into our sacks the first time. He wants to attack us and overpower us and seize us as slaves and take our donkeys. See what a guilty conscience does, church, it torments you. Verse 19. So they went up to Joseph's steward and spoke to him at the entrance to the house. Please, sir, they said, we came down here the first time to buy food. But at the place where we stopped for the night, we opened our sacks and each of us found his silver the exact weight in the mouth of his sack. So we have brought it back with us. We have also brought additional silver with us to buy food. We don't know who put our silver in our sacks. It's all right, he said. Don't be afraid. You're God. The God of your father has given you treasure in your sacks. I received your silver. Then he brought Simeon out to them. 
The steward took the men into Joseph's house, gave them water to wash their feet, and provided fodder for their donkeys. They prepared their gifts for Joseph's arrival at noon because they had heard that they were to eat there. When Joseph came home, they presented to him the gifts they had brought into the house, and they bowed down before him to the ground. He asked them how they were, and then he said, How is your aged father you told me about? How is your aged father that you told me about? Is he still living? They replied, Your servant, our father, is still alive and well. And they bowed low to pay him honor. As he looked about and saw his brother Benjamin, his own mother's son, he asked, Is this your youngest brother, the one you told me about? And he said, God be gracious to you, my son. Deeply moved at the sight of his brother, Joseph hurried out and looked at a place to weep. He went into his private room and wept there. After he had washed his face, he came out and controlling himself said, Serve the food. They served him by himself, the brothers by themselves, and the Egyptians who ate with him by themselves, because Egyptians could not eat with Hebrews, for that is detestable to Egyptians. The men had been seated before him in the order of their ages, from the firstborn to the youngest, and they looked at each other in astonishment. When portions were served to them from Joseph's table, Benjamin's portion was five times as much as anyone else's. So they feasted and drank freely with him. All right. So in Genesis chapter 43, what can we pick up from this section of Scripture? This section of Scripture begins by focusing our attention on Jacob or Israel. The one, the dad of the family, the one who had the 12 sons and the one daughter. Okay? So it focuses on Jacob, the dad. But, and it says here that the family once again ran out of food. And so Jacob, the dad, the father of the 12 boys and the one daughter, tells his 10 oldest sons to go back to Egypt to buy some more food. That makes sense, right? They ran out of food. They need more food. He's going to send his boys back. But none of his sons would go unless they could also bring their youngest brother, Benjamin, with him. Why did they need to bring their youngest brother with them? Because Joseph, who was a prime minister and governor of Egypt, had demanded that they not return without their brother, without their brother Benjamin. Otherwise, they and their brother Simeon would be prosecuted as spies. Because remember, the brothers, the family still did not know that Joseph was their brother. And even though he was a prime minister, they were completely clueless about that. So here the Holy Spirit uses Jacob to teach us how hard it is at times to follow God. Am I talking to Christians here this morning? Okay, let me say this straight up again. Sometimes church, it's difficult and challenging and actually a little scary to follow God. Okay, we're going to learn this right now. Let's try to put ourselves in Jacob's place. Let's try and get into his head. Let's try to get inside Jacob's heart and mind and see what we can learn from this situation. Let's go back to before Joseph had any children. Let's go back before Joseph had any, I'm sorry, before Jacob had any children. He hasn't had his 12 boys yet, and he hasn't had his daughter yet. Okay, now who can tell me who was Jacob's first love? Who can tell me who was Jacob's First love. Somebody raise their hand if you think you have the answer. Who was uh, uh, Gilbert? Rachel. Very good, Gil, Gilbert. We have a romantic in the crowd. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Okay. Rachel was Jacob's first love. Okay. Remember, he worked seven years for her. 
Then on his wedding day, he got tricked. And instead of enjoying his honeymoon with a woman that he loved, he had a honeymoon with Rachel's sister, Leah. And in the morning when he saw Leah in bed with him, instead of Rachel, uh, instead, of, instead of seeing Rachel, he was really angry because he was in bed with the wrong woman. Okay. However, he loved Rachel so much that he was willing to work another seven years to have her as his wife. Let me read to you this story very quickly. Genesis chapter 29. This is back in the day before Jacob was even married or had any kids. Okay, it says this in Genesis chapter 29. Now Laban had two daughters. The name of the older was Leah and the name of the younger was Rachel. Leah had weak eyes, but Rachel had a lovely figure and was beautiful. Jacob was in love with Rachel and said, I'll work for you seven years in return for your younger daughter, Rachel. Laban said, it's better that I give her to you than to some other man. Stay here with me. So Jacob served seven years to get Rachel. But here's a key statement right here. But they seemed like only a few days to him because of his love for her. The dude was in love. Serious love. He had discovered true love. Worked for seven years. But he said, man, I'm so in love with you, girl, that these seven years feel like nothing because I want you that bad. Okay? And then it says here in verse 21, then Jacob said to Leah, give me my wife. My time is completed. I want to make love to her. Straight up. 22. So Laban brought together all the people of the place and gave a feast. But when evening came, he took his daughter Leah and brought her to Jacob. And Jacob made love to her. And Laban gave his servant Zilpah to his daughter as her attendant. When morning came, there was Leah. So Jacob said to Laban, what is this that you have done to me? I served you for Rachel, didn't I? Why have you deceived me? Laban replied, it is not our custom here to give the younger daughter in marriage before the older one. Finish this daughter's bridal week. Then we will give you the younger one also in return for another seven years of work. And Jacob did so. He finished the week with Leah. And then Laban gave his daughter Rachel to be his wife. Laban gave his servant Bilhah to her daughter, his daughter uh, Rachel as her, her attendant. Jacob made love to Rachel also. And his love for Rachel was greater than his love for Leah. And he worked for Laban another seven years. He worked seven years for free for this girl, Rachel, that he loved with all of his heart. You guys following me so far? Point number one. Jacob loved Rachel with a deep, true love. A love that is very hard to find for many people. Point number two. Jacob had two sons with Rachel. One of them was Joseph, and the other one was Benjamin. Both of those boys were his favorite sons out of all his kids. Point number three. Sadly, Rachel, the woman that Jacob truly loved, died when his second son, Benjamin, was born. Are you guys tracking with me so far? Okay. So now Jacob, even though he had three other wives and 12 boys and one daughter, he was brokenhearted because Jacob lost his true love, Rachel. She passed away at, the, at, at birth, the birth of Benjamin. Point number four. Then Jacob has his heart broken again because we learned a few weeks ago that he believed his son Joseph was killed by a wild animal. Now, remember, we're getting into Jacob's head. We're getting into his mind. We're getting into his heart. We're trying to figure him out. We're trying to understand why he's struggling so much with letting his son Benjamin go to Egypt with the 10 boys. 
So now Jacob lost his true love, Rachel. And as far as he knew, his favorite son, Joseph, son of Rachel, his true love was killed. The only thing that Jacob had left of his memory of Rachel, his true love was Benjamin. Are you guys tracking with me? And he didn't want to lose Benjamin. And Jacob was not shy about his love for Benjamin and letting his boys know, dude, I'm not going to let this boy go. So when his 10 older boys tell him that they will not go back to eat, that they will not go back to Egypt to buy some more food unless they are allowed to take Benjamin, Jacob is tormented. Jacob refuses to let his precious son Benjamin out of his sight. Jacob refuses to entrust his 10 older brothers, boys, uh, with taking his son Benjamin with them to Egypt. Jacob is already suspicious of his 10 older boys because believe me, a dad knows his boys and he knew that his boys were mischievous. He knew that his boys would, would, were troublemakers and he probably thought in his heart and his heart and in his mind, even though he didn't say, man, I think my boys ripped those people off and they brought the food for free and they didn't pay and so he's thinking all these bad things in his heart in his mind and in his heart so he was resisting letting his boys benjamin go back to them as dramatic as all this sound benjamin is all that jacob has left to remind him of his true love rachel and the only thing that will give him purpose and motivation to continue to live is and jacob is struggling to let his son benjamin go for all these reasons so no matter how many times his 10 older sons ask him to let Benjamin go back to Egypt with them, he continually refuses to let his son go. Finally, after some desperate persuasion and because of hunger, Jacob gives in to his son's demands and he lets his son Benjamin accompany his 10 older boys back to Egypt. Listen to what it says in Genesis chapter 43, verses 13 through 15. Take your brother also and go back to the man at once. That may, and may God Almighty grant you mercy before the man so that he will let your other brother and Benjamin come back with you. As for me, if I am bereaved, I am bereaved. So the man took the gifts and doubled the amount of silver and Benjamin also. They hurried down to Egypt and presented themselves to Joseph. What is our take from all of this? What are we learning? What are we going to pick up here? Our love for God. Listen to this. Our love for God. How many of you are Christians here this morning? You love the Lord, you're Christians, you're followers of Jesus Christ. Well, listen, as you lift up your hand, you have to ask yourself the question and you have to understand this challenge. Our love for God must be greater than our love for our mother, greater than our love for our father or our brother or our sister or our son or our daughter or our spouse. Our love for God must be greater than our love for our jobs, our careers, our possessions, our personal goals and aspirations. Those of us who choose to follow God must be willing to hold on to things in our lives very loosely. Why? We should not allow ourselves to become too attached to anything or anyone in this life. And sadly, this is why so many people don't want to follow God. This is why they don't want to follow God. Because his demands are too great. His demands seem too unreasonable. His demands seem too unrealistic. His demands at times seem ridiculous and unfair and, it, and, and, and insane, and they don't make any sense. And yet God says that if we by faith are willing to put God first and love God more and pursue God more and desire God more, he says he will bless us. You see, church, Jacob's love for his wife, Rachel, was powerful and it was consuming. 
Only those of you that are here right now and that are listening to me online that have truly experienced true love know what Jacob was experiencing. Because true love is very, very powerful. Now, how do I know this? I wonder why. I wonder why dating sites are so popular and multi-million dollar industries today. You know why? Because people are searching for true love. To connect with that one person in their life that will make life worthwhile for them. I wonder why. I wonder why. People pay detectives thousands of dollars. I mean, thousands of dollars. They pay these detectives to look up old boyfriends or old girlfriends. I wonder why the Hallmark Channel is one of the most popular channels on cable television. Especially with the ladies. I wonder why. But yet you say, God's demands are too great. God's demands seem too unreasonable. God's demands seem too unrealistic. God's demands at times seem ridiculous and unfair and insane. And they don't make sense. He wants me to give up too much. Oh, really? Oh, really? He wants you to give up too much, right? Why is it then? That you are so willing, if you're a married man or a married woman, why is it then that you are so willing to throw your husband or wife to the curb and to throw your kids to the curb and to throw your marriage to the curb and to throw your house to the curb and to throw your career to the curb all because you are searching for true love? Why isn't the devil too demanding for you? Why is it that you are willing to throw everything to the curve for that drug or for that alcohol or for that thing that you desire. You're willing to sell out to commit that crime, willing to spend the rest of your life in prison. And yet you say that God's demands are too strong, that God's demands are too much, and yet you're willing so easily to listen to the devil and throw everything away. You know what? you got to stop being so stupid. you got to stop being a fool, dude. You gotta stop being deceived. God's demands are not too much. He demands this because He wants you to live and not die. He says, choose life. He says, live and don't die. He says, I will bless you if you do what I tell you to do. You see, following God is like a riddle. An enigma, a conundrum, not a condom, a conundrum. Okay? A mystery. Following God is a mind twister. In effect, God says to us, you give me everything. You give me everything, good and bad about you. You give me every, you surrender everything about who you are, good and bad. He takes the whole package. You give me everything good and bad about you. Everything that is meaningful, everything that is important, everything that is significant, and in return, I will give you everything and more. It's an enigma. It's a riddle. 
He says, you give me everything, and in return, I will give you everything and more. It's a riddle. But in order for this to work, you will have to trust me as your God every day of your life. That's what God says. Proverbs chapter 1, verses 1 through 7 says this. The Proverbs of Solomon, the son of David, king of Israel, to know wisdom and instruction, to perceive the words of understanding, to receive the instruction of wisdom, justice, judgment, and equity, to give prudence to the simple, to to the young man, knowledge and discretion. A wise man will hear and increase learning, and a man of understanding will attain wise counsel, to understand a proverb and an enigma, the words of the wise and their riddles. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. Don't be fooled by the devil. Why are you so easily willing to throw everything to the curb for what the devil offers you? And yet when God says, I demand all of you, you refuse to give him your heart. You refuse to give him your soul. You forget you refuse to give him your, your life. Why? All he wants to do is bless you. Matthew 6, 31 through 33. So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first the kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. It's a riddle. Matthew 10, 37 through 39. Anyone who loves their father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. Anyone who loves their son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. Whoever does not take up his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Whoever finds their life will lose it. And whoever loses their life for my sake will find it. It's an enigma. God says, you give me everything, I'll give everything back and more. Matthew 16, 25, for whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will find it. It's a conundrum. Matthew 19, 29, and everyone who has left houses or brothers or sisters or father or mother or wife or children or fields for my sake will receive a hundred times as much and will inherit eternal life. It is a mind twister. Romans eleven thirty three. Oh, the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and his ways past finding out. God is mysterious, church. You won't be able to figure him out. You just got to trust him. You got to give him your all and you got to trust him. You're blindly following God without knowing where you're going. You're just blindly following him, knowing that he's going to take care of you. Some of you say, I can't do that. Some of you say, it's, un- it's unreasonable. Some of you say, it's too much. So he, he demands too much. It's too crazy. It's, it's insane. Well, go ahead. Run your own program. Do your own thing. See where it gets you. And I can almost guarantee you in the end, in the end, you're going to be crying out to God for help. Because somehow, some way, we always manage to make a mess out of our lives when we try to run it on our own. It always happens. Job chapter 9 verse 10. He does great things past finding out. Yes, wonders without number. Ephesians 3.20. Now to him was able to do immeasurably more than we can ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us. That's the kind of life I want God to blow my mind with good things. 
1 Corinthians 2.9, but as it is written, I has not seen, nor ear heard, nor have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. Do you love God here this morning? Do you trust God this morning? Are you willing to surrender to God this morning totally and completely and allow him to have dominion over your life and your soul and your heart and, your, and everything that is about you? Are you willing to surrender everyone and everything to him? Jacob had to trust God and be willing to surrender his most precious possession, his son, his precious son, Benjamin. You know what the name Benjamin means? It means son of the right side. Do you know what the Bible says about Jesus Christ, our Lord? The Bible says that Jesus Christ right now, after he rose from the dead, he is sitting at the right hand of the father. What is it that you're holding on to that is so precious? What is it that you're holding on to that is so important? What is it that you're holding on to that is so critical to your existence and significance? If it is not Jesus, are you willing to give it up for Jesus? Jacob had to love and trust God so much that he had to be willing to surrender his son, his precious strong son, the strength of his life, Benjamin. Proverbs 133, but whoever listens to me will live in safety and be at ease without fear of harm. Give it up to God and he's going to take care of you. Psalm chapter 1, verse 1 through 3. Blessed is the one who does not walk in the ste- in step with the wicked or stand in the way of the sinners. Stand in the way that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord and who meditates on his law day and night. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do, prosper. What does the Bible say in the book of Genesis chapter 1, verse 1? In the beginning, God. In the beginning, God. Proverbs chapter 1. In the beginning, God. Psalms chapter 1. In the beginning, God. We have to put God first, church. Everything else has to be second. That's his demand. That's his price. That's what he asks of us. Joshua chapter 1, verses 7 through 9. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left, that you may be successful wherever you go. Keep the book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. If you're going to be a fool, be a fool and the sign of God. Secondly, Genesis 43, we learn that Judah, who was probably the most wicked of all of Jacob's sons, has a change of heart in his latter years. When Joseph was 17 years of age, Judah was one of was the one without pity. Judah was the one without compassion. All of them were, but Judah was the worst. Judah was the one without pity. Judah was the one without compassion. Judah was the one who was cruel and cold-hearted. Judah was the one who was so willing to abandon Joseph and leave him to die and rot in the pit. Judah was covetous and envious, and he was so willing to sell his brother out for money. If we go back 20 years and read what the Bible tells us about Joseph's brother, Judah, it says this in Genesis chapter 37, verses 26 through 28. It says this about Judah, Joseph's brother. Judah said to his brothers, What will we gain if we kill our brother and cover up his blood? Come, let's sell him to the Ishmaelites and not lay our hands on him. After all, he is our brother, our own flesh and blood. His brothers agreed. So when the Midianite merchants came by, his brothers pulled Joseph up out of the cistern and sold him for 20 shekels of silver to the Ishmaelites who took him to Egypt. But now listen to Judah's heart and attitude toward Benjamin 
Joseph's brother in Genesis chapter 43, over 20 years later. In Genesis chapter 43, which we just read a little while ago in verse 8, it says this. Then Judah said to Israel, his father, or Jacob, send the boy along with me, and we will go at once, so that we and your you and our children may live and not die. I myself will guarantee his safety. You can hold me personally responsible for him. If I do not bring him back to you and set him before you, I will bear the blame before you all my life. Now remember, Judah is the one that hated his brother, uh, his Benjamin's older brother, Joseph. Judah is the one who vows to care for Je Benjamin now. And now Judah is the one who vows to protect Benjamin. And now Judah is the one who vows to assure that Benjamin will be safe. Now Judah is willing to put his life and the life of his family on the line for Benjamin. I would say that Judah had a little bit of a conversion. Can you say amen, church? He had a little bit of a change of heart. I think that the guilt and the condemnation that he was feeling over what he did to his other brother Joseph was getting to him, but in a positive way. There are so many that begin by hating God and in the end become great converts for God. The Apostle Paul was one of these. Now here's another observation. When the brothers finally do arrive in Egypt with their brother Benjamin, Joseph instructs his servants to escort them to his home where they will have dinner. Notice that even though Joseph was excited to see his brother Benjamin, he did not let that interfere with his business and work for God. Church, put God first in everything. You won't lose. Thank you, ushers, for being here. Thank you, online people, for being here. Thank you, people that put up these tarps. Thank you that helped set up all this, all your, Evelyn and all your crew and, and Madeline who helped set up the communion and, and, and the Castro family and Brasilio family that helped us with the, the with the, uh, all this stuff that's going to the communion. Thank you to all of you because why? You're here because you're honoring God. You're choosing to honor God. Even in the midst of all this madness, you say, it's not going to stop me from honoring my God. That's the way it has to be. In everything. Does it mean that we just ab abandon mother and father and husband and wife? No, 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 no. No, it says, you put God first. And I'll help you to be a better husband. I'll help you to be a better wife. I'll help you to be a better son or a better daughter. or a better. I'll help you with everything. You give me everything, and I'll give you everything back and more. That's what God says. Before Joseph arrives home, the Bible tells us that the 11 brothers not only brought the original money back from their first trip, but they also brought more money in order to purchase more food, and they also brought Joseph gifts besides. Let me read it in Genesis chapter 43, which is the chapter that we're looking at here this morning. It says this in verse 19. So they went up to Joseph's steward and spoke to him at the entrance to the house. We beg your pardon, O our Lord. They said, we came down here the first time to buy food. But at the place where we stopped for the night, we opened our sacks and each of us found his silver. The exact weight. I'm going to start reading that all over again. I even got mixed up with my own reading. Okay, Genesis chapter 43, verse 19. It says this. So they went up to Joseph's steward. And spoke to him at the entrance to the house. We beg your pardon, our Lord, they said. We came down here the first time to buy food. But at the place where we stopped for the night, we opened our sacks. And each of us found his silver, the exact weight, in the mouth of his sack. So we have brought it back with us. 
We have also brought additional silver with us to buy food. We don't know who put our silver in our sacks. It's all right, he said. Don't be afraid. Your God, the God of your father, has given you treasure in your sacks. I received your silver. Then he brought Simeon out to them. The steward took the men into Joseph's house, gave them water to wash their feet, and provided fodder for their, fodder for their donkeys. They prepared their gifts for Joseph's arrival at noon because they had heard that they were to eat there. So after Joseph was done with his work, the work that he was doing for the Lord, taking care of the people, helping them to survive, he went home and began to tend to his brothers who were his guests in his own house. And of course, he was very excited to see his brother Benjamin. So he goes home to deal with his brothers and to see his brother Benjamin. Okay? And so now the, uh, the, the brothers seemed to pass the first test that Joseph gave them. His brother Benjamin was still alive, and they brought him to Egypt. Test number one, and they fulfilled it. They passed it. They passed the second test. They didn't try to hide facts about the money they found in their sacks, and they brought the money and the gifts back. Now it was time for the third test. The Bible tells us that Joseph purposely serves his brother Benjamin, five times more food than the other ten brothers. Joseph purposely gives Benjamin more attention than the other ten brothers. When he saw Benjamin, he gave him special attention. Joseph purposely shows favoritism toward Benjamin more than his other ten brothers. Why? Why? Because back when Joseph was 17 years of age, Joseph was shown extra favor from his dad, Jacob. And as a result, Joseph's brothers reacted with jealousy towards Joseph. Joseph's brothers were envious of Joseph. Joseph's brothers hated their brother Joseph. Joseph's brothers wanted to kill their brother Joseph. Then Joseph's brothers sold him to the Ishmaelites, and Joseph was taken to a foreign land and sold as a slave. So now Joseph intentionally shows favor to his younger brother Benjamin in order to observe his ten brothers, to see their reaction, to see their response, to see how they were going to conduct themselves. Are you guys following me so far? He was concerned about his brothers and wanted to know if they had changed in their hearts, if they were still cruel and wicked and hard and mean and thugs and gangsters. He wanted to find out if they had had a change of heart. Because he didn't know. He didn't even know if his brother Benjamin was still alive. They could have killed him too. So he had to find out. Fortunately, Joseph's brothers demonstrated that they had matured and no longer allowed their fleshly passions to dominate their, their dominate them. Genesis chapter 43 verse 34 says this. When portions were served to them from Joseph's table, Benjamin's portion was five times as much as anyone else's. So they feasted and drank freely with him. In other words, everyone was cool. Everyone was happy. No one was upset. No one was comparing. No one was jealous. No one was picking on anyone. No, they all had a good time enjoying themselves. And it didn't even matter that Benjamin got blessed more than they all. They could, they could care less about it. God also did a work in Joseph's heart. Because of Joseph's heartache and all his trials, 
How many of you know that Joseph went through a hard time before he became the, the prime minister? He went through a hard time, church. He went through a lot of suffering. He went through a lot of heartache. He went through a lot of pain. He paid his dues, man, big time. But he stayed faithful to God, which is a lesson for all of us. I don't know what you're going through right now. I don't know how much pain or hurt or devastation or unfairness or unjust stuff is going on in your life and, and, and what people are doing. No, no, no. You keep your eyes on Jesus. You keep your eyes on the Lord. You keep following God no matter what. Don't be tripping on anyone or anything that's going on in your life right now. Do not be tripping. So Joseph's heart was, he went through a lot of heartache, a lot of trials. He learned to exercise tremendous patience with his brothers. You know what James chapter 1, verse 2 and 3 says? It says, my brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials. Why? Knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. It will help you to become a mature man or a mature woman of God. Even though these difficult things that we go through do not feel good, even though we may not like it, even though it's uncomfortable, even though it may put us out, even though it requires sacrifice, God says, you just trust me, Jerry. You just trust me, Chatsworth Four Square Church. You just put, you just hold on to me. Don't get distracted. Don't go to the left or to the right. You focus on God. Keep on track. And in the end, you will get everything that you need in your life to be blessed. In the end, we win, church. Getting to the end, though, is work. Romans 8.28, and we know that in all things, God works for the good to those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 through 10, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him and he will make your path straight. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and shun evil. This will bring health to your body and nourishment to your bones. Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops. Then your barns will be filled to over overflowing and your vats will brim over with new wine another enigma god says you give me your finances that i that you're supposed to give me and you know what i'll bless you with more it doesn't make any sense it's a riddle how can that happen and yet that's what god says he's gonna do test number one bring benjamin to see to, to see if he is still alive and if so I want to see if he's being, being treated right by his brothers. Number, test number two, money found in the sacks. Would they lie and not report the money they found in their sacks after their first trip to Egypt? Or would they speak the truth, walk in integrity, report and bring back the money that was left in their sacks? Number, test number three, how did the brothers react when favor was given to their brother Benjamin at the dinner table? But there was still one more test that Joseph would have to give to his brothers to see if they had matured spiritually. And that last test is going to be found in Genesis chapter 4. 44, which we will talk about next week. Let's pray. Were you guys able to track with me here this morning? Even though we didn't have any words on the screen or words on the computer, you at home were able to track with me because what I said is very important if you caught it. God knows what you need. God knows what's important to you. God knows your passions and your desires and the longings of your heart. But he says this to you, and he says this to me. Put him first. Put him first, and he will bless you. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, 
We're living in some tough times right now, Lord, some scary times, some unpredictable times, some very unstable times. And yet you tell us to trust you. You tell us to put our hope in you. You tell us, Lord, eye on you as our source, our resource, our protection, our God, our everything. Help us to do that, Lord. Help us not to be afraid or dismayed. Help us to be courageous and strong and to find our strength and peace in you. In Jesus' name we pray. If you're here this morning and you say, Jerry, I am not a Christian. I am not a Christian. I have never surrendered your life, my life to Jesus. If that's you here this morning, just lift up your hand and we will pray with you. You are not a Christian and you want to surrender your life to Jesus. Just lift up your hand and we will pray. Anyone at all. We're going to believe that all of you are Christians, that all of you know Jesus. If you're here this morning and you say, Jerry, I am a Christian, and there's certain things that God is convicting me about right now that I need to surrender to the Lord. I'm holding on to them. I'm hold- it could be sin. It could be righteous, a marriage or a son or a daughter. But if it's before God, it's out of place. It's out of order. God has to be first. So for those of you online that are listening, if you said, I want Jesus in my life, I want to surrender my life to Jesus, I want to, re- I want to, I want, I want to lead you in this prayer of repentance. Those of you online that are listening and you want to receive Christ as your Lord and Savior, you don't want to go to hell, you want to go to heaven, just follow this prayer with me. Say, Father, in the name of Jesus, I ask you to forgive me of all my sins. I cry out to you, God, to be my Savior, my Lord, my God, my everything. Thank you, Jesus, for dying on the cross for me. Today, I receive the free gift of salvation that you offer to all mankind. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Let's give glory to God. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus.